Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hardwood Nation podcast with your boy CL Anthony and my main man Bryce Ward. Welcome back, Bryce. Thank you. Glad to be back. How are you been? I've been great. It's been a couple of weeks. I want to say uh, thank you to Michael for filling in for you. Michael's been fantastic for the last couple of weeks. Are you yeah, refreshed? Yeah, I feel great. And I do want to thank Michael because, uh, you know, you guys don't miss a beat when he's on. <clears throat> so, speaking of missing beats, what happened last night in Brooklyn? The Boston Celtics took the game 109 to 103. For the duration of the game, the Boston Celtics led. Like, Brooklyn never seemed like they were going to take this game. Numbers aside, let's just talk about impact. We knew this was going to be a good series. I actually, we, we both picked Boston. I thought it would would have gone seven. It's going to be an active god for this series to go seven games right now. How demoralized do you think the Brooklyn Nets are considering they dropped three straight games to the Celtics and a pivotal game three to the Celtics? Well, I mean, in my eyes, it has to be a huge mental letdown for the whole team. But if they're just tired, then I guess there's uh, there's your excuse right there. I believe the quote from their coach, Steve Nash, said something along the lines of, well, they've got to be tired. <laughs> They're so done. <laughs> they might get swept. I didn't think they would get swept. <clears throat> um, I thought they would lose. Wh- what is that kind of answer? they got to be tired? Yeah. Kevin Durant's been tired for two years. <laughs> yeah. Also... I just thought about this right before we start. <clears throat> we started the type of games that Durant's had this series. <clears throat> not only does the Brooklyn management look bad, not only does Steve Nash look like a new young coach who doesn't know anything and has no control, like we've stated he doesn't. Um, not only is it a huge disappointment because there's no way they come back from 3-0 because it takes the type of heart that that team doesn't have to do that, in my opinion. <clears throat> but one thing I didn't predict was going to happen was that this was going to hurt KD's legacy so hard. And that this is what I mean. He went from the beginning of this season to people saying he's arguably the best player in the NBA right now. He's by far the best scorer to... Right now, people are like, is Jason Tatum already taking him over in terms of the hierarchy of NBA players? So I I thought Kevin Durant would have a few years of this kind of sort of clout, but not after this. I know he's tired, but that's not going to take away from you being tired going forward playing in the playoffs like if you want to play a normal season and get here you're going to be tired you had James Harden you had Kyrie for some games Uh, it's not like you were putting in so much effort and willing your team to these victories because you weren't having the wins and then you got injured so you had time off Mm. why are you so tired you haven't done anything like exceptionally far off from what you already do every other season and yet you're this tired no they are smothering you they are making you look bad 
They, they, I haven't really pissed out the Durant before, but I think this, if they get swept, even if they don't get swept, they lose this series in this fashion, the way he's played and what they've been able to do to him, he has went from, like I said, at the beginning of the season, having like arguably the highest clout of anyone in the league. You know, you could argue like Giannis or LeBron people, you know, but still he's there to now. I think he falls off majorly, and and I didn't predict that that part happening. So I'm surprised that because I think this is gonna hurt his, who he is as a player and his legacy. It is it, it is astonishing to see. Um, I didn't finish the game. I can't even remember what time I fell asleep. Had a rough day yesterday, but um, the one thing that stands out for me with that comment, and of course Kevin Durant hasn't said I haven't heard any of the players that are tired. But the, the thing that's telling is with the things that we know about that organization, how it came together, how it's run, how it is lackadaisical as far as um, structure, you can apply you can apply that same thing to conditioning of the players. You have to be in, in peak condition, especially this time of year. But if you're not being held accountable to do anything else, I would just guess and say, they're not being held accountable to be in top condition, okay? Kyrie has an excuse with him mm-hmm. going through with him going through Ramadan right now. Kyrie has an excuse. There's absolutely no excuse for Kevin Durant to be tired at this point, like you stated, especially when a month ago he missed a month of basketball. Okay, it's the so, first round. You're not even. What's he going to do for the conference finals? Right, right. They're not going to make it, but obviously. Right. So so th- this is damning not only mm-hmm. to Kevin Durant, as you said, but also to that organization. The owner of the organization needs to reconstruct it from the from the top down um, and set expectations because and I, I'm, I'm speaking of next next season. This season is a wrap. We've had three years of the Kyrie Kevin Durant experiment. It hasn't worked. Are they two uber talented players? Yes. It can still be savage, but everyone from the top down has to either be replaced or put on notice that we have to make sweeping changes through this organization and we have to have accountability for the players. Even even the shit that they said about Steve Coach. Well, he's not really our coach. You know, we work together. That has to change. He needs to be gone. You need to put an authoritarian coach in there. Like the, the whole culture people use culture a lot, San Antonio, Miami, whatever. The whole culture of the Brooklyn Nets has to be overhauled this offseason in order for this experiment to be savage. Like, that's just where I'm at on it. Everything has, everything they do now has to be out the window in offseason, which, which the offseason is coming really soon. <laughs> really soon. <laughs> By mid-week, it's going to be the offseason, but they have to make sweeping changes. So how do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think they need a culture change? In Brooklyn? Yeah, I agree with you. They need to throw yeah. out every start over completely. I know it's yeah. hard to do, and I know Brooklyn fans won't want to hear that. Um, that's just me. That's what I would do. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they can keep the same players. We're not talking about getting rid of the players at this point. They might be a better team with Ben Simmons, you know, having been in their system for a little while next year. But as far, yeah. as, the, but as, far as the culture, the attitude – the expectations, like any me and you sitting here doing a fucking podcast. I play basketball once every three months. We could be like, yeah, Bryce, we're going to win the championship. 
We're not putting in the work to win the fucking championship. You get what I'm saying? So anyone can say that they want to win the championship, but you have to put in the work. You have to you have to live up to the expectations. And for three years, Brooklyn has failed miserably. So they they have to shift focus going forward. I think right. for what it takes to win a championship, from like really the top down, because everything we talked about this the other day, everything has to go right. You even have to be so lucky that most of your team is healthy, and we know how that could go. Right. But literally, everything has to be so right or so in place that having this other culture that Brooklyn has built upon, where there is no accountability, uh, it's, I, I almost don't feel like it, the amount of stars you could throw at that team can fix that. Like, it's too glaring of another thing. Like, you're going too far against what is known to have worked and mm-hmm. i just don't I, I think the disarray when things get hard and deep in the playoffs those things become a bigger glaring issue because it is so hard to win a championship so i don't think until they change really everything top down like you said i don't think it the amount of players or the type of players or the star players they have i don't think any of that changes anything because i don't think they win a championship without changing the you know the culture per se. So. Look, the, in, in the playoffs is where you really look at numbers and percentages and things of that nature. It's happened a couple of times in hockey. It's happened a couple of times in baseball. A team being down three zero has never come back to win a series in basketball. It just it hasn't happened. I believe it is one hundred and forty three to zero. And I don't think Brooklyn's the team that's gonna do it. <laughs> so the, the, this series is effectively over, <laughs> and they blew it. They, they not only did they blow the series, they blew another year. They Three blew, yeah, they blew James Harden experiments. Um, Kyrie's out there trying to kill himself, doing this special time in his life, and blowing that, <laughs> and they're blowing Durant's legacy, like you said, which was which was a great. A great shout out by you about his legacy. Kevin went so, from the best player in the world to next year. I don't think you can put him in there anymore. Oh wow, he's out of the top five or top ten. He's a, no, no, no. He's just out of the, the top five. He he top he'll top be a five. great he'll, he'll be a great uh, regular season player. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, outside of uh, let, let's be real, outside of Steph and him, he hasn't been able to win the championship. And he's played with some great players. I mean, he got there at Westbrook and Harden. Uh, he, he can't seem to get there with, with Kyrie, but hey. You know my opinion, so I'm not, I'm not going to go into a Kevin Durant, Golden State rant. Do it. Do it. Do it. Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. So that, that was one loss. So we're going to go to another another game that happened. It took place, Lord, that happened yesterday. It took place yesterday. Luka Doncic made his return to the Dallas Mavericks, but Utah actually squeaked this win out in the fourth quarter to tie up the series. So right now, Dallas is at two games to two with Utah. Lord, forgive me. I'm so sleepy. With Luka back, do you think Dallas can finish out this this series? I think so, but it definitely feels... Like uh, Dallas has more pressure on them compared to the start of the series when I think even you thought Utah looked pretty dead in the water based on the way Dallas was winning and still no Luka. So, I mean, 
the easy math seems to to say Dallas closes it out with having Luca back. But you know, sometimes even having your star back can really throw off a team's chemistry. Yeah. And you know, I know Luca was you know did play most of the season. It's not like he missed half the season or anything crazy like that. But um, each series is different, and so if you know the Dallas guys, the guards, Dinwiddle and uh, was it Brunson? Yes. Those guys are playing so good. Uh, you, you know, game plan is important. So Utah might have had a specific game plan for Dallas, and that game plan changes based on that having Luca, and then that exposes some things maybe that Dallas wasn't expecting to see against Utah. You know, so maybe it, it those games were just easier for that. But that doesn't mean that Utah doesn't adjust and come back anyways, even without Luka coming back. So it's a nice little chess match to see back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm surprised that they were able to tie up last night's game. I mean, I know it was close, but I, I still think Dallas wins the series. Um, but were you surprised last night that Utah was even uh, able to even up the series after the way it started and having Luka back? I say, I think I was a bit surprised um, at how they utilized Rudy Gobert because he had arguably his best game of the series, which isn't saying much. But he's not the type of he's he's not the type of player that you can dump the ball to and tell him to go get you a bucket. So what they did was that they adjusted to where they pulled the defense off of him, and then they were throwing him just alley oops all game, all game, all game. And, and the last play was that, which is actually how they were able to win. So. I do like the fact that they adjusted their offense to get him more inv- more involved because he is a big body and he takes up takes up space down there. Um, with that being said, it was still a one point. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was still a one point win, and I must say, Luca was doing Luca things in the fourth quarter. I actually thought that they, they were, Dallas really almost won this game. Like Luca hit this this dagger three, and I was like, oh, this is it. But mm-hmm. give you give Utah credit, man. They they fought back. So kudos kudos to them. You don't want to drop games at home. Um, so kudos to them for. I mean, they really didn't protect home court, but because um, they lost the other game. But I think Dallas is going to win the next two games and wrap it up. <laughs> that's just, that's mm-hmm. just how I feel about it. And I, I think there's going to be some changes in Utah in the next year or two. I, I I know some some people in Orlando are looking at Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I think half the league looking at Donovan Mitchell. If we're being I, fair, dude, I think New York's looking at him too. So I, I've heard Orlando, Miami, New York. So just some just some Charlotte names out there. things up. Maybe Charlotte makes a play for. Him. Nah, 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 nah. They're nah. They're, <laughs> they they're not gonna make any moves as far as their players. Um, they just needed yeah, to. They just needed to scare the coach a little bit. <laughs> they sent sent him home. All right, so the big game of the night, and this is turning into a dog fight. The Minnesota Timberwolves defeated the Memphis Grizzlies by one point. So now that series is tied two two, and after a personal phone call between me and you, where I ripped Cat. He dropped 33 points and 14 rebounds. Not bad. <laughs> How do you <laughs> Oh, let me look. I got it right in front of me. Three. He didn't foul out. 
It's only three fouls. And we're going to talk about the fouls later. But how do you feel about Minnesota squeaking out this one-point win against the number two seed in the Western Conference? We were talking the other day about it. Um, but in general, this is what I think. is like you got Memphis, who is still generally kind of a young team. Uh, I think they maybe with the way the West went this year, there's a bit of a vacuum to be filled. And they got hot at the right time as a team in general, even without Ja, like we talked about earlier in the season. But they just hit their stride as a team all at the right time. And they took, you know, they took the reins uh, in the West in terms of being able to take some of these top spots from teams that we thought would be there. Um, So being number two behind Phoenix was a bit of a surprise for me ending the season like we wouldn't have predicted that in the beginning of the season that Memphis would have been that high so to me right. they like took a couple extra steps this season that I wouldn't have guessed they would have made so to me that second spot um it's kind of like a fool's gold prediction it's like not that I don't think Memphis is a good team I just didn't think they were as solid as like the number two team in the west all season so Minnesota is a tough matchup for them because of the size, the speed, the the way the team is built, the youth. Um, Minnesota could cause problems for a couple of teams. Let's be real. So, um, but the matchups between Minnesota and Memphis, you know, that's what's creating the problems is like playing a team that built like that. So. For me, Memphis and Minnesota are closer together than their records and their positions. Like I said, kind of would have made us believe number two against, you know, the play-in team. But like I said, matchups and like the way you come into these series ready to play the other team, the coaches, all that matters. And, you know, we definitely see some problems with Minnesota, but the way they're playing when they're playing right um, is a problem for some teams, especially for Memphis. So some of these guys on Memphis need to have good games from start to finish. Jaws had a couple tough nights to, like, get going, and then he's finished strong, of course, but he has to he has to play a whole game. Where, But they're giving him problems. So it's, it's a very interesting series. I think I'll go seven games. Uh, I'm still going to go with Memphis because I think it's a big upset for Minnesota. But um, uh, Memphis has to be careful. They could let it slip away easily. Like I said, you know, they're still kind of young. They don't have a ton of this experience right now. They could, they could, you know, make a dumb mistake when it matters most any any team could do that and in the playoffs you know you can't afford to do that in times when it matters so they could let it slip away they could just get beat i still think it's memphis's to lose though yeah i'm looking at the uh <clears throat> the box score now and, and josh shot four four thirteen which is i mean he's not the best shooter in the world but that's horrible now he did have he did impact the game with assists he had 15 assists he had eight rebounds he only had 11 points, but Desmond Bain's points, because he had a stellar night, 34, kind of averages that out. So if you take his average and Jaws average, you're right there. So they didn't lose as far as in the point total. Now, Bain was curious because he shot eight 
12 threes and made eight of them. So he, he was on fire all night long. So this is the second time that we've seen Minnesota beat Memphis where Memphis didn't necessarily play bad. <laughs> like this series is so odd. Now, Memphis head coach Taylor Jenkins did complain about the officiating at the end of the game, and I'm paraphrasing, but he pretty much says the worst officiating he's ever seen in his life. So, and he was like, whatever, fine, I get, I'm getting it because this is ridiculous. Now, so that made me dig a little deeper into the analytics of it this morning, and there were 25 free throw attempts for Memphis as compared to my eyes aren't working this morning, for Minnesota, 40 free throw attempts. So that's a huge gap (laughs) for a one-point game, very huge gap for a one-point game. So that's what he was upset about. So Memphis kind of had the hot shooting from the three-point line. Minnesota had the hot shooting from the free throw line because they made 31 of 40 free throws, and Memphis shot good too, 19 to 25 free throws. So I can see where Memphis's head coach was like, yeah, the officiating – determined the game, you know, determined the loss for them. So we'll see what happens in game five. Um, Game five, of course, is pivotal like game three. Game five is going to be in Memphis. Whoever wins this game is going to win the series. (laughs) That's just how it is. Um, Because uh, certain fans that watch not only basketball but other sports to bring this up, the coach for Memphis brought it up. For basketball, it just feels like it's it's too glaring because of the amount of control that they can truly have because there's not as many variables on the court, it feels like, as compared to other sports. But what's the real way to fix the NBA officiating problem? Because it's always been a problem. The, the books and the information from the other refs who got in trouble a while back coming out about it, you know, it's gotten so much attention. How do we fix it? Because it's obviously strayed some fans off, and it, it makes certain fans that stay question some of it because we know the shenanigans. And when you bring up stats like yeah. that and yeah. other people know the game well yeah. bring it up, it's like you can't not talk about it. So how do, how the fuck do you fix it? Because it gets really annoying thinking you don't have a chance when the officials can control it all. It's, it's a very, a very big, but not talked about issue in the NBA. And I'm going to say that the money, uh, TV money specifically drives this. Okay. So think about it like this. The NBA doesn't like sweeps. The reason why the NBA doesn't like sweeps is because the more games you have, the more room for advertisers you have during your during your product, right? So you can accumulate more money by these people paying for ad space during your games. So the NBA doesn't like short series. Okay. You don't really have that problem in football, you don't have it in college basketball because you're one you're one and done. But in the NBA, it benefits you to have longer series. So how do you have longer series? You kind of help the underdogs out a little bit. Well, how do you do that? You call bullshit fouls for everything. The way to stop it is to not call fucking fouls. That's just the way. To, that's the way to stop it. But here's the other thing. Then you can call traveling more. Everyone travels in the NBA. They decide when they want to call it and when they don't want to call it. 
so they can still have that angle to stop the momentum of another team. So let's just use Minnesota and, and, and Memphis, for example. So let's say Minnesota goes on this huge run and Memphis can't do – the players can't do anything to stop this run. How do you stop it? You call offensive fouls. You call traveling. Just little shit like that to try to slow down the run of the opposing team. So it's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. It's always been a huge problem. Um, it makes for good TV. <laughs> it does. It makes for good TV when you give the underdog a shot. I'll also say this. <clears throat> Just recently, the uh, Friday night Miami Heat-Atlanta game, last night the NBA came out and said they had two blown calls at the end of that game where they should have called a defensive three-second against the Hawks twice at the end of the game. If they would have made those calls, it would have gave the Miami Heat two extra possessions in a one-point game final. So that's the kind of stuff you gotta you gotta think about. You know what I'm saying? Um, so they need to stop doing that as well. What the, the reports after the games? Because they do it every yeah. after every game. Yeah. Yeah, they need to stop saying, "Well, we would have changed this because all the Miami fans are gonna be like." Right. Right. We know. Right. We know. Right. And, 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 so you're saying we would have won. Thanks. Cool. I mean, you're no, not saying it, but you're kind of saying it. And that's bullshit. Yeah. And I, I try not to use that as an excuse, and, and particularly in that game, because Trey Young did hit a tough layup to win the game. But it should have never got to that point because Miami should have had two extra possessions. So that that's the type of stuff you have to deconstruct. So is it a big problem? Absolutely. Will it ever be fixed? No. And the reason why the NBA releases that report, which I can't wait to see the report on the game from last night, the reason why they released the report is because of all of the shenanigans that's going on in the league. The conspiracy theories, the fixed games, the fixed drafts, 90% of that shit is real. <laughs> it's just real. We haven't seen it in a while, but all those old stories about the NBA being fixed is absolutely real. There was one time when a team would open a brand new arena, they would be in the NBA Finals. That was real. I'm like, every time they got a new arena, they would be in the Finals. It was absurd. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Milwaukee opened a new arena two years ago. Look what happened. <laughs> Think about it. I'm telling you. Think about it. Think about it. Magic. Well, no, that, was after, that was after y'all run, though. Yeah. It was like a year after. But we've had two all-star games and shit there. Um, but, yeah, that to go, to go back to your question, though, it, it'll never be fixed. It, they just have to – they have to pick and choose their moments so it's not glaring for people to be like, hey, hey, what what's going on there? This is like this is like a side topic in a way, but, like, if – because they say, you know, a lot of people are going from cable just to streaming. If the money got taken out of the cable and these sports organizations took their money to streaming where all that money is based off subscribers instead of mm -hmm. actually having people tune in, you're already paying. It doesn't matter what you're watching technically on that service. Would that maybe fix some of it just because the money is coming in in a different way? So you're not paying to watch seven games. You're just paying to watch the playoffs. It, it doesn't matter how far those games are. It's not going to fix it because no business is going to turn down an opportunity to make more money. <laughs> Does that make sense? 
Well, yeah, because so, they would still have people coming to the games. You would still have a lot just from having the extra games on it, not just right. the TV money, I guess. So. Right. And the last the last thing I, I'll say about this is for the league, because a lot of people don't know this, playoff money is not on the books. Playoff money is not budgeted for. <laughs> okay? So you still have to pay the players, and you still have to pay the arena staff, but everything else that you earn from playoff money is bonus money. <laughs> so keep that in mind too. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a huge one. Keep that in mind. Um, so I'm not going to talk about this game a lot because I was on the road and missed it completely. So I don't know what the hell going on, but I do know Toronto was able to beat Philadelphia. Um, I think we both believe Philadelphia is going to win this series, but kudos to the Raptors for, Winning at least one home game. Um, now the series will shift to Philly, where I believe Philly's going to wrap this up. Now, one thing to watch is Embiid does have a thumb injury um, that he's going to play through. Um, but what do, do you agree that Toronto is going to fall to the Sixers? What did you say? Uh, you didn't think uh, Brooklyn was going to be the team to come back 3-0? <laughs> I, I, I don't think Toronto will be either. So, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't, they might get another game. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't mm-hmm. doubt it. Or, I mean, I doubt it. Because Philly looked pretty dominant the whole series. So, yeah. They have looked. I think it's, they, they, they have looked very well. Um, if they did continue to keep playing this way, there's reason to believe they could beat anybody. So, yeah. yeah. Everybody needs to pay attention to them. There, there's no clear-cut uh, favorite right now. Um, in the Eastern Conference. It's wide open. And Boston eliminating uh, Brooklyn, which we both think is going to happen, is going to be very huge. Um, So we have four games today. So we're going to do some predictions for these games today. So Milwaukee and Chicago is going to start us off at 1 p.m. It's going to be in Chicago. Who do you think takes this game? Chicago. Okay. Golden State. Let's go to Denver. I mean, they've been in Denver, but we're going to be back in Denver. Golden State has a chance to sweep Denver today. You know, the as I tweeted the other day, the statistical MVP darling is going to go home. So how do you feel about this? Um, Denver wins, uh, survives the sweep. Real quick, though, in the last series, I think Chris Middleton not being there is going to really hurt them because they need – they need everything they can against Levine and DeRozan. So well, look, they, they have to make they, they blew them out the first game without uh, Middleton the other night, which was in Chicago, which really shocked me. I was like, what? DeRozan but, did not play well either, though. Okay. So I, I don't think you can keep him down for like two games. This is what I'm thinking. Like, you can't keep him and Levine both down for two games without Middleton. Right. right so right, that's right. what I'm saying. But, um, yeah, I think Denver or uh, yeah, Denver survives the sweep. Denver survives despite the sweep. it be close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we have starting the nightcap, Miami at Atlanta. Miami has a two two to one lead. Who you got? Miami. All righty, and then That's the last. I'm annoyed they didn't sweep them. Well, I told you they wasn't gonna sweep them. I just I told you. I know. <laughs> I look. I, I watch a lot, a lot of both of those teams. So I'm like, Atlanta's Atlanta's gonna get a game. Atlanta may get two games. Now, mm-hmm. will I be mm-hmm. nervous if Atlanta wins today? 
slightly, I'd be nervous. But that's why you have home court. So do I want the Heat to win today? Yes. Um, then we have Phoenix and New Orleans. Uh, in New Orleans, uh, series is up. Phoenix is up 2-1 in the series. Who you got? Chris Paul had another fantastic fourth quarter the other night um, to help them win that game. So who do you got tonight? New Orleans. Got it. So I'm going with Milwaukee. I'm going with Golden State. I'm going with Miami. And I'm going with New Orleans um, as my picks for tonight. Because I think I think the Pelicans are going to wake up. And um, if you can if you can just stop Chris Paul from one quarter right now with uh, Devin Booker out, I think they'll win those games. So because I think now New Orleans could upset Phoenix. You know, we talked about that offline the other day. I think New Orleans could upset Phoenix now without uh, Devin Booker. So so yeah. Anything else you got for us, Bryce? No, I think that's it. It's in for some good games tonight. Kudos yes. to New Orleans for uh, being able to take advantage of the spot. Kudos to McCollum for making it look like he's, you know, great because he is. He's a great player in a great situation right now. And like we said the other day, that trade to get him there was so impactful um, to the Pelicans and so blah for Portland. <laughs> Portland's in the also, world of trouble. Zion, I mean, if he was in the right shape and healthy right now, you, you could argue they're a championship team. So um, even more pressure needs to be put on Zion, more than before. Mm-hmm. I, I, I fully believe everybody in the league should be hard on that kid because they're, they're, with what they have now and a healthy Zion, there's some experience there. You you need that. That's a championship run kind of caliber team so pressure on zion tons of it they could make a deep they could make a deep playoff run um with zion Mm -hmm. healthy um and mccullum there and then you know brandon ingram doing brandon ingram things because he's just so solid um really quick this came across my my twitter feed just now so tatum ended with 39 points last night and six steals that's that's incredible he ended up like uh, was it six six or he he ended up with like uh, uh, rebounds, assists, and steals like all five or six. That kid is, I know like most of the season, um, people were kind of talking about him and Jalen Brown, but there's no denying Jason Tatum in this playoff series. It's been the whole team has been playing great, but Jason Tatum has been the all star of that team. Mm-hmm. The, the, the biggest difference I've noticed with him this year is that he's not throwing up a lot of bad shots. He's playing more under control this year. Um, I think in, in years past, he was kind of letting that Kobe talk get to his head and he was shooting Kobe Bryant shots. And I don't think that was necessarily working for him. But as long as you can shoot within the within this, the, the offense, um, which he's doing right now, I, I think. For him, I'm still not going to say he's up there with Kobe because I think we people crowned him too young. Um, but he's going to be a decent little NBA player. So, and I'm, I'm, say what? He's still really young. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like he he's not going to be the next Kobe, like people were talking about. But he has a chance to be because he he's slightly a two way player. Um. He could be up there with Durant as far as his scoring prowess. And I might, let's say in three years, put him ahead of Durant because Durant 
is a decent defender, but I think Jason Tatum can be a better defender. So that, like you were right when you mentioned that earlier, that might be the talk going forward that people might start putting Tatum ahead of Durant. So yeah, like we can very well see that. So that is going to be it for this week's episode of the Hardwood Nation podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share our content. Comment on all of our nonsense, and we will respond to all of your nonsense. (laughs) Subscribers are still going up, Bryce. We're plus nine this month. Plus nine. We'll take it. We haven't hit the magic number yet, but we're getting close. Um, So, yeah. Thank you. Everyone stay safe and goodbye.